0: Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green.
1: Hey, everybody. Steve Green here. Make the great podcast today. You know what we usually do here? We talk about actions, we talk about operations, talk about strategies. Today, we're going to talk about creativity. I might have the world's most creative person in the history of the world <laughs> on this podcast today. His name is Patrick Williams. You hear him laughing because it's just true. He is too modest to say it himself. This guy, when I read his bio, you're going to be like, whoa you better pull over. If you're in your car, you might want to pull over before you listen to this bio. But this is going to be all about creativity in education, in learning, in life, and in work. And frankly, I think we all need to be able to bring that in. Sometimes you get so stuck in your rut and your lane, as they say. Patrick, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks, Steve.
1: I appreciate you so much taking a little time to be with us today. Let me tell the world about Patrick Williams. He is a passionate and inspiring artist. He's also a writer, public speaker, consultant, independent scholar, and visionary educator. Over four decades of experience teaching and facilitating deep learning to a wide range of audiences. He's an award-winning artist and TEDx speaker. He's exhibited art throughout the US, Japan, and China. His art is in both public and private collections, has been represented in galleries in Chicago, Seattle, Omaha, and Albuquerque. Who's a Bugs Bunny? Which is Lloyd Albuquerque?
0: Right.
1: <laughs> Patrick holds <laughs> black belts in karate do, aikido, and has decades of experience training and teaching Budo. If you have to tell us about those, his comprehension experience, expertise, and synthesis of creativity and innovation is unparalleled. I told you, this guy's <laughs> the best. El jefe to creativity. <laughs> he is the founder of Satura Innovation, a consulting and ideation accelerator Patrick, welcome. You got quite a resume. You don't look oh. like you're 40 or 60 <laughs> or whatever. Patrick looks like yeah. a young guy because he's happy. See, happiness yes. keeps you it young. Does.
0: It does keep you young.
1: Uh, how'd you get into creativity? I, I don't know that creativity necessarily is like a job description, but it doesn't matter because that's what you do. Um, how, how, how did this come about? Is this an evolution? One day you just wake up and say, I want to be a creative guy, or is this something that was always in your life?
0: It was, it was always, always part of my life. From uh, I credit my mom being you know very encouraging wherever whatever I was doing when I was very small and she saved you know little little drawings little watercolors that I did when I was probably three three years Mm -hmm. old and uh, it was always something. By the way,
1: are they in Seattle or Albuquerque? Who? Your three, your three-year-old watercolors.
0: Oh, they're here. They're with.
1: Oh, me. they're in your <laughs> private collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're okay, in private. Right, sorry collection.
0: about yeah. that. No, no, problem. Yeah. Okay. So, so I was, I was always curious, and and drawing in school, which was both a plus and a minus. It it would get me in trouble, but why aren't you doing yeah. your math? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so uh, and but then uh, a powerful experience happened to me when I was about 10 and it was only about maybe six or seven years ago that I actually put these two uh awarenesses together but when I was about 10 a a a construction project went through uh the neighborhood that I lived in it wasn't really a neighborhood I lived way out in the in the country and north of Omaha Nebraska and in the late sixties, uh, a interstate was built through this area. And literally it was a quarter of a mile from my house. It was, uh, you know, a hundred acres borrowing from a. a. Milne. Literally it was a hundred acres of trees that I played in that was wiped out. And in my TEDx talk, I start the, the talk this way. So. Mm. And at that same time, and I believe that they're very linked, is when my creativity increased rapidly. It it was like a, a catalytic experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I've never really, you know, tried to figure out exactly why, but uh, it is from that point on, it's it's when I really started to teach myself how to draw you know, just a piece of paper and a number two pencil and figured out how to make, you know, a a box look like a box or a sphere look like a sphere, a hand look like a hand. You know, I taught myself shading, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that just just kept growing and growing and growing. And it's, you know, essentially never stopped since then. And I taught myself how to paint when I was uh, 14, 15 years old. And, you know, I just dove into that. You know, my mom, bought me some acrylic paints and I learned how to stretch a canvas and I was making canvases that were, you know, three be three feet by four feet all the time when I was in high school. So, mm. you know, I, I probably did 30 years. Well, this or, is
1: why just to put this in perspective,
0: mm. your
1: classmates are playing baseball and football and I don't know, whatever the average quote unquote, Right. Uh, teenager would be doing at that point, driving down main street on Saturday right. night, you know, whatever. Um, How did this play? I mean, was this, were you like an outcast? Were you like a, the, the uh, MOC guy? Were you the... not,
0: not really, definitely not an outcast. Uh, I was, I was kind of, you know, how, you know, clicks start in school. Sometimes they're around classes. Sometimes they're around interests. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be in, in a, a group that was in, uh, the physics, uh, world. We were in mm-hmm. AP physics. So, you know, I was, I, I was basically the only artist in our group. There were, there were, uh, some, some of the kids that were into photography and we had a really great physics teacher. Uh, and he was, he, we had a dark room in the physics room and he was super mm-hmm. encouraging. He was a photographer himself. So, so mm-hmm. there was a lot of encouragement on that end, uh, so I was, I didn't really have a art click, you know. There wasn't, mm-hmm. there really wasn't anybody that I knew. Well, in you need more the,
1: than one person to be a click.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> definitely, I was my own. You clique. Clique one. Yeah, you yeah, I, the you were the click. I was the click. Yeah. Okay. So, well, you know, okay. <laughs> so it was. Uh, I just, it was. It seemed natural to me to to be painting and. In, uh, in the bedroom that I eventually got. So let, uh, let me
1: flash forward a little bit because, you know, uh, the, the people who listen to this podcast know my, my thing is education. I came yeah. through traditional structured education. I was a teacher in high school and middle school and university level. And one of the whole cornerstones of education is structure, consistency. Everybody gets the same lesson. Like you can track people, but um, why do you think, and, and I'm going to make a big assumption here, but, hmm. Why do you think there's a, a separation and creativity? I don't want to say it's discouraged in school. Mm. It's not discouraged, but I don't think it's really front and center. And mm. you, you know what I'm going to base this on is mm. you know what the first things get cut when a, when a school has a budget issue. They don't cut math, and that's nope. a good thing because I was a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> they don't cut English. They don't cut reading. These the are right. core curriculum. They cut band, and they cut art, and they cut the play. Right, And they, they, because they're not considered um, essential in the educational process, at least the way our educational system has been defined. Sure. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be creative in a math class or a science class, right, but right. they're not typically thought of that way. But why do you think it's evolved this way? Do you have, do you have an opinion? On that <laughs> that's question?
0: a, that's a, that's
1: a. I mean, we got, we got it. We got a half hour. <laughs> right. So to... <laughs> yeah. Let's
0: <laughs> but, see but, if I could. Well, I think it. I think it's complex, obviously, but I, I believe that. Uh, you know, I mentioned this in our in our preliminary chat that mm-hmm. uh, the manuscript that I'm working on deals with this idea of of that there is a split, and I think that the split is not healthy because I believe that what people what children and adults but what children are able to do inside of their art classes and i mean all the arts so every genre music you know painting, like music painting, painting right. dancing yeah. uh those those uh special skills and attributes of of the arts are foundational to learning all the other subjects. And mm-hmm. I say this because, uh, and it's not, th- this, is a, this is a lot of research over a lot of years, and especially in the early childhood development world, is that it's, it's fundamentally accepted that children learn through play. So from zero to seven, their whole world is completely focused on almost completely focused on and
1: then it flips the completely opposite. And, and then, then it flips completely opposite, for seven right? hours a
0: day. And exactly. And hmm. so in, in the manuscript, I talk about how I believe that, uh, creativity is somewhat of our first language. All right. Follow me with this. But then, mm-hmm. as you said, when we're about seven or eight, it's flipped. And suddenly all of us have to learn another language of learning. So our first language of learning is creativity and play and imagination, and then suddenly n- nobody consults us. We have to be doing all these other uh, kind of mind uh, uh, problems and situations and 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 using a, a whole well because because approach. it gives
1: way it gives way to academics. Yeah, yeah, and you so, can't teach academics while you're on the playground.
0: Right. So, I believe that there's there's a way in which uh, our learning can be more uh, more enhanced with the arts than separated from the arts. And it's I'm I'm not I'm not saying that in math class we need to be using crayons to make our numerals. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying that when when we're in a visual arts class. There are things that we have to figure out that are that are obviously uh, connected to geometry, but there's uh, there's problem-solving issues. There's uh, uh, conceptions that we we have to deal with. Critical thinking. Uh, we have to. Uh, there's uh, how how we communicate is mm. directly involved in, and all of these things are attributes attributes of all parts of learning, but there are some specific qualities to what happens when we are being creative, when we're making a drawing, or we're learning to play the guitar and playing the guitar. Uh, So those, I want to assist people in uh, reevaluating them, right? So, So people are then able to say, oh, you know what? Spending some time during the day writing poetry you know, like 15 minutes, 10 minutes is going to assist me in how I'm attempting to approach this law brief or this uh, uh, structural engineering project that I'm doing. It may not make sense, but in, in all of my studies and all of my experience and watching children and adults be creative, there is some kind of relationship to uh, different domains. So there is one domain that may be structural engineering and then another domain that's poetry. It doesn't seem like they could have anything to do with each other, but put your mind into the poetry realm for a little bit. And then suddenly you might be like, Oh, I know what I need to do with this, this section of the, the schematic drawing that you're having a, problem with or whatever it might be you know the the we can come up with thousands of different examples but i believe that because uh creativity and play and imagination are so foundational to us learning how to learn and then using all of that because all we all know how how much we learn between the age you know when we're born and till we're five or six or seven i mean we we learn to crawl and walk and run we learn to to speak and and understand language that is that in and of itself is mind-blowing that children are able to become you know fairly fluent by the time they're six or seven years old so this is the people's or children's learning is so dynamic and so, inner structured around their, their imagination and their playfulness. They're, they're literally discovering the world around them and starting in a way to make sense of it. And so I think that from seven, all the way up to PhDs and then beyond, we, we need to incorporate these foundational aspects of, of creativity, of, of playfulness and of imagination. Uh, you know, there are plenty of examples through, uh, there's a famous French mathematician named uh, Poncarré that was struggling with a solution to a mathematical, giant mathematical issue. And he he just was like, whatever, forget about it. And he was going to go on holiday and he was on the way getting on. It, in the story is, has a bus. And this was in the 1880s. So it was you know, a description of like a carriage bus, right? Uh, and he has it all comes. And so the light bulb Just comes on. Just boom, right? So mm-hmm. these are the the kind of uh, situations that I think are so important that people get too focused on trying to solve the problem, and the problem becomes uh, like too much of a focal point. So, so it's so important to get out of the problem, but still keep keep a keep a quality of of what you're working on Let me, in I'm your. Give you my take here.
1: Yeah, yeah. You take here. By the way, Steve Green, my guest, Patrick Williams. This is the Make the Great Podcast. We're talking creativity and its its role in, uh, I guess, life. Right. Yeah. I I think I think one of the ways you can look at this, Patrick, is. I, I'm, you know, as a psychologist, that's what my doctorate's in. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at sort of the neurology, right? And I'm thinking you got the subconscious, and you got the conscious, and I, I, I'm. I'm this is overgeneralizing. Right? Sure, this sure. is not supposed of to be a, a class on uh, neurophysics or neurophysiology. Right. Uh, right. But I think typically creativity, arts, are rooted more in the sort of subconscious, um, uh, unthinking part of your brain a little bit. It's inspirational, mm. right? Whereas Conscious problem solving, like what's four plus six is more of a conscious effort. Hmm. And I think a lot of times the subconscious gets buried, hmm. or sort of dominated in a sense by your conscious, because you're always thinking, when am I going to have for lunch? How do I, do I make a right turn or left turn? Uh, right. You know, what was Patrick's name again? Um, okay. <laughs> um, so I think just all these things, whether it's playing music, listening to music, uh, meditating, um, I don't know, cooking even for some mm. people. I had somebody who was a food therapist, if you can believe that. Oh, yeah. Um, all, I think what it does is it, is it lowers your barrier in a sense mm. to opening up the, the, the ability for your subconscious or your creative mind mm. to surface. So I think here's the question I'm going to pose mm. to you without getting into the neurology. Yeah, yeah. Although you're more than welcome to. How do we take advantage of this? And when I say we, I mean on a societal level. And you can get into what your, your Satori in, um, innovation does mm. in, in the academic world, in the workplace, in um, just life. You know, how do we tap this in a positive way?
0: Right. That's the and, good and news. This is, may be right.
1: where you've come in your life's work. Right? Sure,
0: so, sure. Right, exactly. And so and so, so tell us, tell us. Yeah, here it goes. Well, <laughs> Well, the good news is that all of us, to the best of my understanding, were children, right?
1: Once, at some <laughs> yeah, point.
0: Right. At some <laughs> point, we were all children and children. And when we were kids, we played. So we all have that inside of us, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's, it's part of our nature as individuals, but as, as a species. Uh, and there's some great, uh, there's a, a psychologist named Peter Gray, Uh, who has written about uh, uh, schools that don't have curriculums uh, and then he's also compared those to uh, uh, cultures that have that are uh, fully unengaged in modern society. So Hmm. hunter-gatherer cultures and and a lot of those studies are from the early uh, 20th century and the late uh, 19th century because there Mm -hmm. aren't many left right so they have they have similarities that their children do nothing but play and that's how they learn how to be in their world okay so so the question is how do we in this modern world engage in this and it takes it takes effort you know if if you're going to learn how to play tennis you're going to have to get out on the tennis court you're going to have to buy a tennis racket some tennis balls and get out there so to, to get back into your creativity, to, to kind of rejuvenate it or restore it because it's already there. It's, it, it's in every single one of us. You have to choose some things to practice, you know? It just, and it doesn't have to be, I, I, I talk to people about keeping everything in scale. So lots of people, if they're gonna start painting then like after a couple months, they're like, I'm going to call it the Pope and see if he has a ceiling that I could work on. You know, it's like, that's not the scale that you should be envisioning. You know,
1: maybe not not yet.
0: Yeah, not yet. So, so
1: uh, go ahead. Sorry. uh,
0: Choose some small steps to, you know, if you're interested in drawing, get a drawing pad, get some pencils Mm. and just start playing with it but don't see put, where it takes you see it where see where it takes you now what do you and, what do you not, say to
1: the people like we live in a very practical uh ca- capitalistic world right hmm. what do you say to the kids who are now adults who at some point say i like to draw i liked i wanted to play the piano and, uh, and somebody said to them you're never how are you going to make money you're going to put food on the right. table how are you going to you know right. you you're going to be a starving artist living as a waiter a waitress someplace uh you know, trying to make ends meet, waiting for your big break. I mean, I'm being super stereotypical here. Oh, sure. Um, and unfortunately, in some cases, it's not entirely factually incorrect because historically, artists yeah. are not, I mean, some make it lots and lots of money. Right. But sure. for the most part, uh, it's, it doesn't pay as well as a professional or somebody who's on oh, yeah. a narrowly wage. Um, so there's a practicality to this a little bit. Sure. A little bit. I am not discounting any of the neural neural benefits, but how, how do you how do you I mean look, you got so many cool things going on? Yeah, I, I want to hear about the art you've got in galleries and your martial arts experience, but just for the people listening saying, how do I strike a balance between my creative side, my kind of day job side, my maybe athletic side, my my whatever side? And is it just a matter of kind of finding what works naturally for you?
0: Totally. That's absolutely okay. it. Yeah. And, and that's, and this is the, in some ways the, the part of the conversation that some people get, get tripped up on is that when you start talking about trying, doing creativity, trying, mm-hmm. you know, working on some drawing, then it I, part of it is just the culture that we're in. It's like, they want to go like all in. It's like, I'm going to give up my job and I'm going to give up, you know, everything and, and just do that. And that's absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm saying that a little bit of it is going to uh, nurture all everything parts else. of your life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's uh, as, as as an easy example, uh, and it, because it's super popular is, is, and you mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. that, you know, somebody may start doing meditation. And it's like, you don't start meditation and then you're doing meditation 10 hours a day you know inside a cave right right inside a cave and yeah exactly (laughs) so so i i encourage people one of the one of the best modes of getting our mind and our hearts around this is journaling i'm an avid journaler i for 22 years i've kept a journal every single day and it's a place that you can then have these conversations with yourself saying, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm really liking doing 10 minutes of poetry per day. Mm-hmm. And that may be perfect. And you can write about that. You can, re, you, know, you can come back to it. You know, in six months, if you kept a good journal, you can look back like three months ago, it's like, wow, I was doing 10 minutes of poetry then. And now, you know, I, I'm realizing that I'm doing like a half an hour. You know, I'm doing like 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the afternoon and then 10 minutes uh, right before bed or something like that. So so a journaling process is super important to uh, life in general, but it certainly, it gives you an insight into how you are progressing with respect to this question of how do I get creativity into my life? You may not do any creative thing for months, but at least you're writing about it. You see, and then and the once beauty you... of
1: it is, there's there's no entry barrier to it No, all. no, you no, no, no. You, you got, probably exactly. got a notebook lying around somewhere anyway, and a pencil. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So it's like you got you know, yeah. you gotta
1: go take a yeah. class or anything.
0: No, 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 no. Exactly, and that and that's what I uh, part of. I mean, I'm a little, uh, ludite esque, if that can be a word, of mm. of saying you need, you know, this is this is my journal. You know, you need a piece of paper and a pen. And then to write it because there's something I believe in the process of physically putting well, it on paper, doing as a, opposed a computer to, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or an app. Yeah. Or, right. Exactly. Hmm. So, so I think that the, it's super, super uh, useful for people uh, in general uh, as a, just a human being, but then as a creative process, but also as you know, your relationships, your, your mm-hmm. work situations, the projects that you're working on, you know, having these these places to go to that you can like sit down and and think about it and and put your thoughts on paper with with no with no uh, governor you know it's like whatever you put down that's it's yours and nobody else's.
1: Tell me about the TEDx. How did you get involved in that? Because that's something <laughs> that a lot yeah. of people want to yeah. do.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite the experience. Uh, huh. I was uh, living in Boulder at the time. My wife and I were in Boulder. Uh, it was 2015, and I had known some folks that were very encouraging of, of me doing a TEDx talk. I had I didn't have one in mind, and uh, TEDx uh, CU, the, the university there, they put out a notice. I signed up and had a couple interviews, and there I was. And hmm. what's interesting about that experience is that it's uh 100 memorization
1: oh
0: and no teleprompter I'm, yeah no teleprompter <laughs> yeah. Okay. and and i was a little bit freaked out uh the day of because i did my mic check and the the technician said say the first couple sentences and the last couple sentences of your talk mm. and that was just like I I I don't know how to do that. I've never done that.
1: By by the way, for the people who may not be aware, TEDx is is kind of a famous um, uh, talking sort of series. And uh, they've had some really high profile people and some completely unknown people became fairly famous uh, um, because of it. It's about a 10, 15 minute talk. Right. Yep. It's it's usually one topic. Right One to the topic. point. Yeah, uh, it's uh, sometimes not necessarily autobiographical, but sort of experiential.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's autobiographical. Um. Now
1: what was you yours know? about? Let me guess. Creativity.
0: Creativity. Incredible. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, i Incredible. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you have
1: a. So you uh, go ahead. So, so how did the experience go? Were you nervous? Yeah, it was or? a
0: great experience. It was. Uh, it was stressful to memorize, and and you know having that moment at the at the mic check kind of put me in a state like oh my god am i going to get through this and you know it was <laughs> 400, 400 plus people oh, and a live one, yeah right? it was it was live and a lot of people and uh and i was the last uh speaker and and uh, the beauty of it is modern technology you know it's filmed and they had some good editors because they i had <laughs> i had probably four times when i just paused you know, at one point I looked over and I saw one of the guys that had was the third speaker and I said, oh, wow, there's so and so. And, and that completely just like I lost my place where I was. So it's a it's a interesting process. If I ever did it again. I would tell the, the people who are organizing it that I have. Here's what my talk is. Here it is. Blah, blah, blah. And then I would just do what I'm doing now. I would just tell you to
1: be a little more spontaneous.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. By the way, folks, there's no script here today at all. No script. Um, Martial arts. Tell me about it. How'd you get into that? Was that part of your creative flow? Because we we have that in common. We have that in common.
0: Oh, oh, cool. It turned Mm -hmm. out to be definitely part of my uh, creative process, uh, and and super influential in in both my. Awareness of learning, but also then teaching as, as I got into teaching martial arts.
1: Let me uh, tell you how I got into it real quick. Sure. I, I, this was years ago, years ago, years ago. I was in, sitting in my office, this office. I got a phone call. It was a guy who was a sensei at a local uh, martial arts academy. And he was looking for somebody to come in and speak to his students about acad- the importance of academics, academics, And then he was going to talk about how the self-discipline and the, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the mental focus of taekwondo and karate and such and such helped you in school. And then he had another speaker coming and talk about bullying and stuff like that, Mm. which which at the time was a little bit innovative because the whole anti-bullying thing wasn't really front and center at this point. Um, And I, I, I said, yeah, this really makes some sense. You know, this guy's teaching sort of, uh, of of a discipline in a certain way. I see how it could apply into academics, because creative or not, you do need structure in academics. Absolutely. Where, you know, you can add it in, but um. And then it turned out, you know, so you got kids. Why don't you sign them up for a class? Hmm. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> well, I start taking some classes, and that's nice. really what happened. But there are actually studies that show. Uh, because a lot of the martial arts are are bilateral. In other words, it's the, you know, you're know, you doing everything on the right and left side. And it Ideally, stimulates yeah. your brain in a certain way because the way the, Absolutely. the neurons and stuff uh, communicate with each other. Uh, and there's actually been studies that show that people have better concentration, uh, like a lot better, and are able to problem solve better because of that. Mm. Um, and also, you know, the cool thing about it is it can become a lifelong thing. Yeah. You know, you, there, I, there was a guy that was 70-something years old taking
0: classes. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: How do you think that's played in with your whole
0: piece? I mean, uh, it's, how
1: central is that to your identity maybe? Because I know some people is really, really important to them.
0: Right. Well, for a lot of years, it was a huge, it was as large as as my artistic side was mm. uh, for a couple of decades, a little longer, yeah, 25 years or so. Uh, mm. And it it had a deep impact on me with regards to, of course, the discipline, but also uh, once uh, once you get to a certain level then it there's there's a possibility for things to become much less structured so mm-hmm. in in sparring uh, you know there's no i mean you know there are of course there are some rules you know don't hurt your partner mm-hmm. and you know accept you know all those that make sense but everything else is whatever happens so there is a there's a remarkable uh, harmony with my my artistic creative side of hmm. of how my body can move and and what what kind of things happen when I disengage from too much thinking. And you right? just let your yeah, body yeah, knew what it, it learned how to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. So I know
1: exactly but, what you're saying. There was one kick I was trying to learn. I could never. If I thought about it, I couldn't do it. Yeah, but if I was just kind of rolling through a couple moves and all of a sudden I, I was like, "Whoa, how do I do that?" Then I couldn't it do it again. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's right. talk about one last thing here. Sure. That I want to I want to bring into a close here. You bet. The Satori Institute, which is a, which is kind of a loaded work. because Satori is a, I don't know if it's Japanese word, but yeah, it know, means sort Japanese of like word. inner peace in, J- in Japanese. I think, if my no. translation is correct. Satori Innovation—that's the name of your company. Consulting and ideation accelerator. I love that. How long do you think you'd take that? That's a,
0: that's a <laughs> heavy, a, heavy. It's a, thing. Uh, well, yeah, it's Who, gotta be. Who's a
1: typical client for you, Patrick? Uh, well, it's if there is such uh, a thing. It, like, well, I'm getting I'm, a feeling there isn't, but if, if well, there was,
0: yeah, I'm working on that. It's it's a it's an emergent <laughs> it's an emergent process.
1: Okay, okay, see so, if
0: <laughs> So yeah, so it it's simply working with people in as individuals or with a small team or an entire company to as as i've laid out you know in our discussion ways in which they can tap into essentially restore their creativity mm-hmm. and when when and i believe when that starts to happen just like when we're when we're 5 years old we don't if you and i were 5 years old and we we're going outside you know, to play, we wouldn't sit around and have a meeting for four hours to figure out what we're going to play. Just happen. It, it would just happen. So, so there's a quality of engagement that I'm, I'm interested in developing with people so mm-hmm. they can, so they can engage in that, uh, resonance of creativity not the creativity that we were doing when we were five right we're doing something different you know and that's where the ideation comes in it's like what are your what what's your business and what are you trying to do with your business are you a startup do you have or are you a 80 year you know huge company that needs some new vitality it's all going to come from creativity it's there's there's n- no new ideas <laughs> that don't come from creativity. All innovation is a creative process. At
1: some point. Yes.
0: Yeah. So if you're stuck in the creative level, then the innovation is going to be n- nearly impossible. So hmm. my, my whole concept, my whole vision is to, is to loosen that up in people again, not to get them to be artists. I don't, I'm not, concerned about that if they if they do that that'd be wonderful mm. but to get them to unleash that that uh, inner ability that inner drive uh, so so they can apply it to you know this application do, do you
1: find this is something like any muscle so to speak where the longer or the better people get at it it starts to accelerate
0: sure exactly Like, like as
1: they become more creative um, then they become even more creative and it, it kind of accelerates and they become more comfortable with it. The whole idea becomes, uh, it just flows better.
0: Absolutely. Mm. It was for my life. I mean, you, you must, you mu- as an example, I just got a snippet of it, but mm. at, that must have been, it must be, you must be able to relate to that with respect to playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. So the first, oh, yeah. day you, the first day you picked up the guitar, you couldn't do what you did when we had our first meeting. You that, know? that is
1: true. I gave, I gave Patrick a little recital.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Thank you. So, so,
1: No, but that's true. And then you look back and you don't really think of it. You don't necessarily think of it as a direct A to B because it's exactly. always, you know, like this weird, you know, convoluted. Um, Patrick, what do you have to offer people? Workshops, consultations? If somebody wants to learn more about what you do, let's promote you here a little bit. How do sure. they reach you? What can they expect? Uh, what's the path?
0: That, what the path is uh, Patrick Williams, patrick at patrickwilliams.com is my okay. email. Got it. Uh, the, my website is called patrickwilliamsstaycreative.com. Hmm. Uh, the, the story innovation is, is uh, developing. Okay. Um, as my that's what i call you, you, it when you when to get journal. there you need yeah, to journal yeah. a little more journal a little out of you. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so so yes i do i do uh, mentoring i do consulting i i have uh, half day full day uh, three day workshops that i have available uh, you know there we go through exercises and and uh, strategies and and
1: uh, well, what would you and, say? Say, I guess if somebody's listening, I, really, I think I want to reach out to Patrick. I'm just not sure if it's for me to convince somebody. Tell, what, what would they really gain? Maybe not immediately, but what would they gain by an experience with you like this?
0: Well, they, I'm, they, I'm really they, curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, they I want to know they, the answer. Too. Yeah, yeah. They gain uh, a reconnection to a part of themselves that they haven't used, essentially. I mean, they're using everybody uses it but they're not using it to uh, their full capacity. Uh, I I talked a little bit about this when, when we spoke before Uh, I've developed a, essentially a, a philosophy of creativity where I I talk about why and how people lose their creativity. And I I call that creative colonization and creative Mm -hmm. collapse. So there's, there's a quality, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how, academia can take it away from you. It doesn't, it didn't for me. So there's a tendency for school to steer uh, people away from their creativity. And so that's, I I call that a a type of colonization, uh, creative colonization, where it's it's slowly uh, diminished. And then at some point, there's a creative collapse where it may not be sudden. Sometimes it is where a teacher says, x y and z that you make horrible paintings or you can't sing or whatever it might be and the kid was like i'll never do that again
1: as a stigmatization
0: right mm. or it's just a it's a, a slow collapse where you know you might have been really into playing the guitar when you were 14 15 and then you just seem not to have much time to spend time you know and, you playing sort of guitar fades. and it fades away and then you're you know you're 45 years old, and it's like, wow, I I really, I should get back into
1: guitar. I'll I'll tell you something interesting. Hmm. At least I think it's interesting. And by the way, Patrick Williams is my guest on the Make The podcast. I love what you're saying here, Patrick. Thank you. They did a study in martial arts, but they repeated the study in some other things, and there are two things I'm interested in, so I'll share this real quick. Hmm. When do you think the most common point a student quits martial arts is?
0: in as an age group or no 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 like along the path
1: of uh, the progression Uh, of being a martial artist one year Mm, it's a little more specific than that Ah. in terms of uh in terms of uh, an accomplishment
0: i'll give you oh when they get their black belt
1: exactly but you know why here's why because you walk into a a, any karate or kido judo taekwondo do you want to be a black belt patrick course, I want to be a black belt. Great, well, we got a program, two thousand dollars, six thousand, whatever. These right. places aren't cheap. We're going to get you all the classes it takes to become a black belt, and then you go to class. All right, this is what black belts do: three more classes and you're this belt, and ten more you're this belt, twenty right. you're this belt. Oh, you sure. got to learn this uh, form and this um, kata and all this stuff. And guess what? They set themselves up over and over subconsciously to believe that that's the end goal. Right. Now you know as a martial artist that for some people that's just the beginning. Right. It really opens up for you in a lot of these disciplines at that point because sure. there's way more advanced and way, way more um, yeah. involved and, and complicated, in some cases, way, things that you do. But every people are set up to believe that that's the end point. Another interesting thing is because another thing I'm into is the triathlons, right? Mm. The most Where do you think the most common piece, place people drop out of triathlons is? I'm just throwing this out. There. There's no reason. After their
0: that. first competition?
1: Well, no, it's in, during the race.
0: Oh. <laughs> like, let's say
1: you joined, like you did a TED Talk, right? You didn't have a chance. You got on stage, you, you had to yeah, yeah. do it. But a triathlon, yeah. you jump water, you swim.
0: Swim. Then you get, get on, on the bike, bicycle. and you bike, right. and you
1: get off the bike. Now, where do you think the most commonplace people quit is?
0: Halfway through the marathon.
1: Mm-mm. Mm. At the transitions. Ah, Because mentally, it's like, Oh, I got done the swimming. I can't bike. I'm too tired. It's too hot. Right. Sure. It's too hilly.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm wasted. If I, but yeah. once they start, you're in it. And then something drives you, right? Sure. Oh, I can sure. make only three more miles, 10 more miles, right. whatever. Right. right. Oh, I got to the transition. Now I got to start running. Oh, man, my legs oh, hurt. Right. My oh, back yeah. hurts. Yeah. My butt hurts from the yeah. bike. Yeah. If I really want to run. But once you start running, hey, so I came this far. I'm going to, I'm darn going to finish.
0: Right. Sure.
1: So it's interesting that the the failure points and these are self-imposed because people mm-hmm. unless you're hurt but right right are at points where you have to you got a mountain, you got to climb. Mm-hmm. Oh I just got done my black belt. What's well, oh I got to get the secondary back. That's going to take you two more years. Oh my right. god they thought with black belts. Oh well, yet. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think it's just an interesting phenomenon mm-hmm. how people set themselves up for this sometimes. And I think having the creative vision to understand that everything is kind of a checkpoint along the way to an enormous checkpoint. Absolutely. And then you then you're and 6, then there's another, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's a big checkpoint. <laughs> but um and, and and you have to just understand that you're never really done. Right, right. I mean right. your body starts to give out. I can't do things I did, you know, 20 years ago in martial arts, but but that's just part of the process.
0: Exactly. Patrick, is there
1: anything we didn't you didn't get to say that you want to share?
0: I we we had a great conversation. Yeah, there, there's well, always I, I really there's always it. more to share you know there's this is a topic that just goes on well, forever. people
1: out there you reach out to patrick patrick at patrickwilliams.com look for the satori innovation website coming to you soon as <laughs> creative enough can handle it hey you want to play uh, you want to play my uh, my podcast guest game sure i call this the fave five i think you're gonna be good at this okay be good i'm gonna say something it's like a roar shock remember that okay oh yeah i'm gonna say something you tell me your favorite thing in this
0: category Okay. It's easy. It's no pressure. It's easier than okay. TED talk. Get, promise <laughs> we we'll Let's start with an easy one. Okay. Dessert. 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 Uh, chocolate mousse. Chocolate mousse.
1: Homemade, or you, you cook that yourself?
0: I haven't ever cooked it. It's <laughs>
1: <laughs> Chocolate mousse. I like it. Flavor place to vacation. Now, you, you lived in Denver. You oh, lived in the Boulder. You lived in Colorado. I did, so yeah. A lot of oh, people go on vacation.
0: Right. That's true. Uh, wow. That's a. I'm gonna say uh, warm, cold, Japan, Japan.
1: Yeah. I tell you, I went to Japan for three weeks. It, it's, it's. I did. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Beautiful country. Music. What kind of music. Classical. Classical.
0: Yeah, Beethoven. Right now, just read a great biography of him.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: the last name is bon, Bonn. B O N N. Interesting. Great, great book.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Anything on your bucket list that uh, you really got to accomplish?
0: <laughs> oh, uh, getting to a bunch of uh, museums and, and cathedrals in Europe to see some specific pieces of art. Like the Louvre. The Louvre, Is there any uh, yeah. uh,
1: Williams at the Louvre? <laughs> not yet. How about the uh, what's the what's the uh, what's the one
0: of you know the uh, Uffizi. Uffizi? Uffizi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's it. That's a good one too. Yeah, I I have not been there.
1: I can see past. you going down the hallway. Here's Rembrandt. <laughs> here's uh, Botticelli, and here's Patrick Williams. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, the the most famous person I've had a piece next to was Andy Warhol. Really? Yeah. And and you know to be honest. I, I think mine was definitely stronger than his, <laughs> his was I a only print. have to look
1: at them and yeah, I know yeah, they were.
0: Yeah, yeah. His was a print and mine was a painting. So there you go. Yeah,
1: Favorite that. color? Oh, I
0: mean, Steve, that's so. I mean, as an artist, I know oh, I love that, them all, but phew. I'm going to say yellow right now. Yellow. Yeah, because it's a. It's a really, really, really hard underrated. color to deal uh, underrated. with. Hmm. Yeah. And it's a problematic color for painters. Really? Yeah. In
1: what way? Like to blend with uh, other colors?
0: Well, yeah, blending, but it's just so powerful. It's, it.
1: Oh, like it, it uh, upstages. Oh, it just. Them. Yeah.
0: It just grabs you by the. It was like, it's napkin. like a color bully. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is there such totally. a thing? It is, yeah, for so n- so today. Can't there put is
1: move next to yellow. I can no, say they don't, yeah, huh? yeah. All right, here's the trick question of the day, okay, right? and the last one, I promise. You're ready favorite podcast?
0: Oh, I think it would be <laughs> Stephen Gray. Okay. Yeah, right. He's... <laughs> Make the man the knows where his bread is buttered, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Patrick Williams. I really appreciate you coming on. I enjoyed this. I hope you did, and more importantly. I hope those of you out there in Make the Grade podcast audience landed, send us your comments, send us your feedback, check out what Patrick has to offer. Next time you're at the Louvre and they have a suggestion box, you know what to do. <laughs> exactly. Or the MoFa, what's it called? The MoFa, not Mofo. The um, Uffizi. Music, no, the Uffizi, the one, yeah. modern art one oh, in San MoMA. Francisco, yeah, 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 The MoMA, the
0: yeah, SOMA. Yeah, We got to get, get behind our buddy here. Yeah, So Exactly. Uh, so, if, so uh, people, like- people can go to Patrick Williams, stay creative. That's oh. my, that's my business website. So, and they, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Or, or if you go to patrickwilliams.com, mm-hmm. that's one of my art sites and you can access the other sites that the I have. Collection. The A collection,
1: the collection. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. Hey, if you liked what you heard, please leave some comments better yet. Connect with Patrick or connect with me. Let us know what you're thinking. Really. The way you can thank me is to share this. In my opinion, I'm really not trying to hubris here or anything. The more people to hear this kind of information, even if it helps one person,
0: if this unlocks
1: something for one person who becomes something that becomes something and it changes this, this has all been well, well, well worthwhile for me. And I hope Patrick feels the same way. I feel the same. Steve Green here. We are calling it a day. Thank you. We'll see everybody next time. Let me cue the music. There we go. It's me playing the guitar, by the way, Patrick. Sounds good. All right. See everybody next time.
0: You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit MakeTheGrade.net.